Welcome to All Turns and No Breaks with Tam and Renee. This isn't an ordinary show. This is NASCAR Talk for fans by fans. Hey, NASCAR fans, welcome back to another episode of All Turns and No Breaks with Tam and Renee. I am Renee and she is Tam. Hey, hey. How you doing, Miss Tam? Oh my God, I am doing most excellent. What a weekend. How was your weekend? Let's get to it, straight to it. Renee had a gig and he wasn't able to go to Las Vegas, so I made the ride all by myself. Saturday, I didn't do much of anything. In fact, I didn't even come out the house. But believe it or not, I drove from Los Angeles all the way to Las Vegas and back in the same day. LA to Los Angeles, most people, it takes them roughly about four hours. I did it. Your girl did it in two hours and 55 minutes from walking out my house to touching down in Las Vegas. After the race, I hung out for a little bit and I said, you know what? I'm going to go back home. So I drove back home. Now, of course, driving back from Las Vegas to Los Angeles was no easy task. LA to Vegas is the weekend thing. It's like the weekend trip. People who live, say, in Connecticut go up to New York for the weekend, or people who live maybe in Atlanta go to Hilton Head for the weekend. People in Los Angeles go to Las Vegas for the weekend. So the traffic on a Sunday is bananas. Believe it or not, though, I got back home three hours and exactly 31 minutes. That, Your girl that, was driving. That's actually pretty I'm not going to tell you how fast I was driving. Here's the thing. I actually broke my own record, but I don't know of anybody who's ever gotten to Vegas in two hours and 55 minutes. <laughs> I mean, I was actually shocked. I kept re-adding the time because I was like, okay, wait, I did something wrong. But I said, no, I guess I was driving 100 plus. <laughs> wow. Don't quote me on that. You were in NASCAR mode uh, there, Tam. <laughs> well, here was the thing. When I left, it was actually foggy in Los Angeles. For all my efforts, I still hit traffic, though, when I got to the track. The traffic surrounding the track was a bit crazy. I've never got to a race that late. I got there probably about three hours before it started, mm -hmm. but that was still late considering. Like, usually I'm at the track at 7 a.m., 7.30 a.m. Yep. I think I got to the track at 9.30, oh, wow. and it was just traffic. But nonetheless, how was your weekend, My weekend was Renee? fantastic. and. All I needed to have a great weekend were two things, a good NASCAR race and my Houston Rockets beating the Cavaliers and LeBron James. And yeah. I got both. So I had a fantastic weekend, Tam. <laughs> Something's going on with the Cavs, so I'm not quite sure what, but yeah, they're not doing that great. They're kind of in the same boat as uh, Golden State. What's really interesting is everyone's like, yeah, Golden State and the Cavs in the finals. Wouldn't be surprised if neither one of them make it. Right. Your Houston Rockets aren't going to make it, but. Yeah. Well, let's hope that they can ride that off and, you know, all the way to the playoffs and we'll, we'll see what happens. But, uh, well, let's get to it, Tim. You know, you were there uh, in the flesh and uh, how about that race, huh? Man, how about that race? I mean, I know you guys are on the edge of your seat because you're waiting for us to talk about the fight. But before we even jump into the fight, let's kind of dissect the race. Just kind of jumping to the end of the race, because I feel like that's all that mattered yep. in this particular situation. I mean, I was actually standing 
in the number two's pit, just pretty much waiting on him to close out those last couple of laps. Like I thought he had it under the bag. And then I said, wait a minute, there's Martin Truex Jr. Martin was kind of lurking. Looked like he was going to pass Kozlowski, but he couldn't quite make it. And I was like, ah, I got my hopes up. But then I said, oh, wait. Then it was a restart. And I said, oh, wait. Next thing I know, Brad was like way out there. And I was like, oh, it's over. But then it was like, wait a minute. Yeah. There's Martin Truex Jr. I know. Martin Truex Jr. (laughs) You're looking at the number two card like, wait a minute, something's not right. And I mean, he was way ahead up there and then he just fell back. And that's all Martin Truex Jr. needed to uh, go ahead and take that checkered flag in the end. And uh, first and foremost, hats off to the 78 team and the whole crew. They swept every segment. And um, congratulations to Martin Truex Jr. winning uh, the Las Vegas Man, fantastic. You know, he he dominated that race, if you really think about it, Tam. It was dominator domination. And it would have actually been sad for him not to win after dominating the race like that. But luckily, he was able to pull it out. What was really crazy, pretty much, I want to say I stayed at the track for at least three or four hours after the race. For once, I decided to do my job and hang out in the media center, which was interesting. (laughs) I pop in and out the media center. I always stop in the media center when I first get to a track. And I pretty much go in where all the other reporters are in there typing their stories and watching the race on the monitor. But I'm more in the field type of person. I like to be on the track with the action. I like to post to social media, which sorry for our listeners that I wasn't able to post as much, but unfortunately the Wi-Fi at the track wasn't that great. So not only was my cell phone provider not providing the best service possible, but the Wi-Fi at the track actually was having some issues as well. So it was a toss up. I can sit in the media center and try to deal with the Wi-Fi, which wasn't working, or I can just go on the track and not post to Instagram or Twitter. So, of course, I decided to be on the track. After the race, I went back into the media center, and I said, you know what? For once, I'm going to stay for the post-race conference. And I'm so glad I did, because I absolutely adore Martin Truex Jr. But one observation I quickly made was, nobody really cared that he won. Nobody had as many questions for him as you would anticipate or think, considering that he was the race winner. You think he kind of knew that, Tim? though like do you think like maybe in hindsight he kind of was like well i kind of understand like you think it bothered him at all i'm just curious i mean because you were there you could kind of see his body language actually i don't think it bothered him one bit one thing i will say is that the fans showed him absolute love the track in las vegas is actually it's nice it has a new feel to it Mm -hmm. like it's set up really nicely and one thing i like about it is that the fans can actually enjoy the driver in victory lane because they have a whole little setup actually where the fans you know the eating area they kind of roll out and pull the car in and whether you're in the inside because they kind of rope it off or you're standing on the outside you also have an option to stand up top on top of the garages and look in one unique thing that i like about Las Vegas is that the garages have clear roofs so fans can actually walk and look at the cars from the top from the glass top roof as they're being worked oh, okay, on. Yeah. So that's pretty nice. So saying that to say and get into your question, I don't think he really cared because the fans just embraced him. There were a lot of fans that waited afterwards to see him in victory lane. I think he, like any driver, is happy for the win. But I 
felt that the media didn't ask him that many questions. I think it was maybe five or six questions that were asked and it was kind of like any more questions. Of course, I didn't ask any questions. One day, it's not that I don't have the nerves to ask questions. I just don't. Like, I'm kind of weird like that. I'm yeah. more so like to take a lot of photos. Week before last in Daytona, Renee did not let the opportunity pass to ask Jimmy Johnson sure a didn't. question. And I've interviewed a ton of drivers, but most of my interviews have been one-on-one, like when we interviewed Alex Bowman. Not that I'm more about being rehearsed or prepared. I just like more of a controlled environment. I don't know how to explain it. But yeah, so one media guy, of course, asked him about the fight. And he was like, wow, what fight? You know, he made a joke out of it, which I thought was pretty cool. That is kind of funny. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you know, not only did the fight overshadow Martin Truex Jr., the fight also overshadowed Kyle Larson, who ran pretty well. Mm -hmm. And of course, Chase Elliott. I mean, at one point, I thought Kyle could win. That's Kyle Larson, not the boxer Kyle. Right. Not smoking Kyle Bush. Right. That's a reference to smoking Joe Frazier, <laughs> you guys don't. Well, but yeah, I mean, Renee, what did you think? Well, I mean, I thought that's funny that you said that Truick was like, what fight? Which actually, if you think about it, the fight was actually going on while he was in the process of doing the whole victory stuff. And uh, so I could understand that. But I think looking at the race in general, I thought it was a good race. You know, I didn't have any problems with that. And the fact that Truex dominated the way he did, I completely agree with you. I think it would have been said if he hadn't won the race because of the way he dominated. And Keselowski almost came away and snatched it right from him. But Martin Truex did say that at the end of the race, that, you know, hey, you know what? He goes through that all the time. And you know just as much as I do, as as much as covering a lot of these races uh, over the last several years. Martin Truex is usually always the one on the opposite side. So he said it was nice to take advantage of somebody else's mistakes and unfortunate uh, things that happened with their cars for once. And he could have easily won Daytona. But, I mean, unfortunately he didn't. But you know what? He made up for it this past weekend. And whether or not that they asked him 60 questions or six questions, I think he would take that win in any circumstance. I mean, Renee, let's face it, who wouldn't take the win? Yes. It was a great win. He earned the win. It wasn't technically, I think there was something wrong with Brad's car. I'm not quite sure what happened. I mean, Brad ended up in what, fifth position? Yeah, right behind Logano. Yeah, but I don't, I don't, I'm not sure what happened, but kudos. Well, it said on his radios, he, he was saying something broke. I wasn't quite sure what ended up, what was the problem being of whatever it was that he said he thought was broken, but what a horrible time for something to happen, regardless of what it was. But I mean, you're on the last couple of laps and that happens. Oh, that's got to be frustrating. Well, really quickly, getting back to the fight. So, of course, you know, I see things totally different than everybody else. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I saw the tail end of it as I was standing in the number twos in Brad Kozlowski's pit. I watched it on, well, his pit crew's TV monitor, however you want to say it. And I was like, holy crap, what is going on? I mean, I got excited. I was excited when I thought Martin Truex was going to win and he won. But I was really excited when I saw the fight. I don't know if that says much about my personality, but uh, <laughs> I was like, okay, let me hightail it down to hear where this is going on. Like I was trying to get photos of the burnout, but I was like, okay, let me see what's going on. I just so happened, walked a different way. And I got video of Kyle and what I call his mad power walk because he was some mad and blood was running from his head. And I was like, oh, God, I got to go to the media center. In fact, that's actually how I ended up being in the media center so long, because I was trying to figure out what what happened. Yeah. But the fight, I don't know who was wrong or who was right. 
And should it happen or shouldn't it have happened? But I was there for it. I don't really care. You know what? We all know you listen to this podcast. I'm feisty and I'm a fighter. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, although there's, let me just be politically PC. There's never an excuse to put your hands on anyone. But sometimes you got to put them paws on somebody. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) And he put the paws. Well, okay. Now there's actually a poll on Twitter saying, did the punch connect or not? And then, you know what? Let me just say this. What is really crazy about this? On any given day, I got my money on Kyle Bush to whoop Joey's butt, period, end of discussion. I'm in that same corner with you. But people were like, oh my God, Kyle got his butt whooped. Well, technically, if the punch landed, Joey got socked in the face. So to me, Kyle won the fight. You can't take into account the crew because when it's five or six people on one person, this is not an even fight. And it wasn't even really a fight. It was a scuffle bunny, as I would say. Yeah. But the reality is, let me just say Uh this one thing. The reality is, is Kyle Bush walked up to Joy Logano without saying a word and just punched him. Put me in mind of Kevin Harvick because Kevin Harvick never wants to talk. He just swings and that's what I'm talking about. Okay, so now you can talk, Renee. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I completely pretty much agree with everything you said because I think what it came down to also right after he punched him, I mean, Logano's entire pit crew, practically, they did. They tackled Kyle Busch. Yeah, if if you're going to weigh it out in who won the fight, I'm on the same page. I think Kyle won that fight easily. He just walked over there, he punched Logano, and then Logano's crew just tackled him. So, first of all, what I'd like to say is I'd like to give props to the camera guy. What? I mean, he's following Kyle Bush as he's mad walking down pit road. And I'm thinking to myself, what? This guy obviously knew what was happening. Or somebody tipped him off and said, hey, you want to get something good? Follow us. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because he followed Kyle Bush all the way up. And that camera guy was the one who caught the, well, the great angle of Kyle punching Logano. So Logano saying, oh, I wasn't hurt because he didn't touch me. That camera says different. And he literally connected. You know what I thought was funny is I have a buddy who doesn't really follow NASCAR very well. I, he's not even a casual fan. He's just He just doesn't know much about NASCAR. And he calls me up and he's like, hey, did, did you see that fight? And I was like, yeah. Now, what happens here? You know, he goes, do they get suspended or what? He goes, because to me, the fact that they were able to uh, fight like that, it actually speaks volumes in, in from somebody on the outside looking in. And I go, well, what do, you, what do you mean? He goes, well, dude. He goes, NASCAR and hockey seem to be the only ones that don't have a problem too much with fighting. He goes, because he goes, look at football. He goes, they throw penalty flags. They throw penalty flags for taunting in football. And in this case, he goes, I'm watching this NASCAR race. And at the end, this guy just walks down the pit road and just socks the guy. He goes, is that the way it works? Like, you know, if you just take a guy to a racetrack, you can beat the hell out of him. I'm going, well, it it seems that way. It seems that way. But I go, it just depends on how you look at it. Because now now NASCAR has to look at this and see if they're going to issue any penalties. And I personally don't think that any penalties need to be given here by any means. They were both going at it at the end. And Ricky Craven, uh, I was listening to him on ESPN, and he made a good point. These guys were going hard at the end of the race. It's at the end of the race, first of all. They're going hard. Neither one of them wanted to let up. And that's what they get paid for. At the end of the race, they're battling to get in the top five, the top three, actually. And they were letting it all hang out. And unfortunately, 
Logano got into Kyle and spun him out at the end, and they have just a quick second to react, and that's the way Kyle reacted. So, Renee, I'm going to say a couple of things to that. One, just going back to what you were saying earlier about the cameraman, that was actually Jeff Gluck who got the better footage. Right. His footage is being used by all the other outlets, and Jeff Gluck used to be with USA Today, and he left, I believe, for personal reasons. Right. So he has his own outlet. The backstory with Jeff Gluck, for you guys that are interested, Jeff Gluck is close with a mutual friend of Renee and I's who actually is the reason for Renee and I doing this podcast because Renee and I both used to go on his NASCAR podcast. Mm-hmm. He went off to do other things and Renee and I still wanted to talk NASCAR. So here we are two years later talking NASCAR. While we're just kind of talking about it real quick, I'd like to give our listeners and fans, if you uh, want to follow Jeff Gluck on Twitter, he he's an amazing guy who tweets out really good stuff uh, during the races because he's always at the race. And tweet him at Jeff underscore Gluck. And that Gluck is G-L-U-C-K. Yes, indeed. So and the other thing that I was going to say was about penalties. I think that was the other thing. I personally think that they should fight it out if that's what they feel like doing. I do know at some point you got to kind of step in because you may have people boxing all the time. But for real, if NASCAR doesn't come down and say anything, I'm perfectly okay. If they do penalize, issue penalties, I don't know. I may feel some type of way, but I'm okay. So with that being said, because I feel like we're going to be talking about that fight for the rest of the week, let's jump in with our top 10. Yeah. So our top 10 from Las Vegas, of course, Martin Truex was first. He was in the winner's circle. Kyle Larson, a part of our Fantastic Four, came in second. Another member of our Fantastic Four, Chase Elliott, came in third. Joey, he came in fourth. I don't know. Was it worth coming in fourth to get socked in the face? But, okay. <laughs> Brad you know, Keselowski. If you ask Joey, he'd probably say yes. <laughs> <laughs> Brad Keselowski came in fifth. Denny Hamlin. And he, he had a quiet day. I don't re- recall hearing his name a lot. But then again, I was at the track. Although I was sitting in the media center, I don't recall hearing his name even a little bit. Ryan Blaney came in seventh. Jamie McMurray quietly came in eighth. And I'm not sure if you guys had an opportunity to check it out, but Jamie McMurray actually was in the booth during the Xfinity race. He actually did a really good job. He has a cool video on his Twitter account too, where he gives like a post-race analysis of what he did wrong or right. In fact, it gave me an idea. I think each week after the race, both Renee and I will shoot videos if we're not on the track and just kind of talk about our thoughts. So this way you guys have our thoughts immediately after the race. And then of course, we'll give you our full thoughts after the show. I will tell you this. And let, well, let me finish the countdown. Number nine, Matt Kinsett. And number 10 was actually my man. Hey, Clint. <laughs> Clint Boyer rounds okay. out the t- okay. top 10. I was really happy for him that he came up in that top 10. Yeah. So let me just share this really quick and then we'll jump back into this. Renee, I actually missed you on the track. So Hopefully you guys are following us on Instagram and you check out our Insta stories. But Renee and I, when we're at the track, we do these little Insta stories and, you know, videos that we post to Instagram. And I felt so lonely doing this story by myself. 
I missed you, Renee. I know. It's so fun being there, like, in person and feeding off one another. And, and uh, that's what I love about most when, when we're at the track together because we, it's you know, because I think we become kids all over again is what it is, you know. The fan person comes out in us. But I think it's great for our listeners and great for the people who follow us because I think they see the genuine happiness that we have there, if that makes any sense. Indeed. And, you know, one thing is we are again a podcast where we talk about nascar but it's for fans by fans so we don't do everything the way you know nbc or fox will do it but we do it our way but with that being said because we're here for you guys let us know if there's something that you want to see or something you know you think we should change hit us up also right now while you're listening go ahead and hit subscribe We need you to subscribe and leave us a comment on iTunes. The more comments that you leave on iTunes, the better this podcast will become because that means iTunes will recognize that you are listening and boost us up so we can have more feedback, more listeners and all that good stuff. So now that we kind of gave you our sales pitch, let's jump back into some NASCAR talk. In fact, we're going to jump into some driver's talk. So we briefly mentioned two of our Fantastic Four, which was actually, no, we mentioned three of our Fantastic Mm -hmm. Four. Larson came in second, Elliott third, and Blaney in seventh. And Austin Dillon, what place did Austin come in? Austin came, uh, yeah, he came in 25th. Not a great day at the track for Austin, but his brother actually did better than he did. But not by by much, but not by much. But, um, you know, considering Austin's, uh, you know, one of our Fantastic Four, yeah, not a great day at the racetrack for Austin. So Renee mentioned Ty, who's a part of our Three Amigos. (laughs) Okay, yeah, we have our Fantastic Four, our Three Amigos. Listeners, you know, new listeners. We coined the term last year, Fantastic Four. This year, we coined the term Three Amigos, which just so happened includes Ty Dillon, Eric Jones, and Daniel Suarez. So Eric had a really good run. Mm -hmm. He came in 15th. You know, that's pretty awesome for him to come in the top 20, considering that, you know, this is only his third cup race. Daniel came in 20. So Daniel and Eric both did better than they did in the past two races. And Ty came in 21st. That's pretty good. And just so you know, not every single episode we're going to give you Three Amigos, Fantastic Four, and Dale Jr. But we got to talk a little Dale Jr. (laughs) Dale was on a tweeting storm. I don't know if you guys caught it, but not only was Dale tweeting up a storm after the race, he also tweeted out a funny photo of TJ Majors. He caught him napping. (laughs) I think they were on the plane or something. So, of course, TJ is like, I'm going to get you back. Any real updates that we need to be aware of other than Dale finally finished the race? Yeah, well, it was just good to see him finally finish the race. Eric Jones finished 15th right uh, ahead of Dale Jr., who finished 16th. So he didn't have a horrible day at the track. But I think it's great to see Dale just back on the track in general. And it's going to take a few races for him to get it together. I mean, let's be honest. You know, this sport is just like any other, but when you've taken yourself away from racing for that long, you're still going to be a little rusty and you just kind of have to get the feel of the racetrack again. And I have no problem and I see no problem whatsoever going forward from here on out, barring any mechanical issues or anything like that. But I don't see any problem with Dale having some good races from here on out. One thing I will add, I mentioned that Dale was on a tweeting storm. 
after the race. Interesting enough, he actually tweeted this and I'll read it to you guys. He writes, I have never really beat the shit out of a guy, but me and Tony Stewart and our crew chiefs had a fun broil in the NASCAR hauler once in 1999. He also goes on to write, I don't know, but because, and this was in reply to a question, somebody said, was Tony Sr. your crew chief then? Who was Tony's? And Dale Jr. said, I don't know, but he was a mouthy SOB who needed his ass kicked. Me and Tony were fine. His CC, as in crew chief, on the other hand, was a jackass. <laughs> then he also writes, and this was in reply to someone who tweeted him and said, would you ever go at anyone like Bush did today? And Dale, without hesitation, wrote, yep. Yeah. When you are mad, you do stuff like that. But no matter how justified slash pissed you feel, maybe it's best to do it off camera. So the moral of Dale Jr.'s story is, is that he'll whoop your ass off camera. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I mean, you know what? I love Dale Jr. on Twitter because Dale is so honest and raw. Like, yeah. you just have to appreciate him. Like, I'm so glad that... Over the last couple of years, he's just shown more of his personality. Like, this is the Dale that everybody else knew, but now the public is getting an opportunity to see this. Yeah. And I love it. That is correct. Now, on the other hand, I'm like, hmm, Tony and Dale and the crew chiefs squaring up in the hauler? Oh, boy. I just, Dale, if you're listening, can we get a photo? Somebody, where is the evidence? Look. <laughs> So, okay, speaking of Tony, really quickly, I just kind of wanted to mention my man Clint Denwell, but the rest of Stuart Haas, eh, not so good. Yeah. I actually saw Danica. I still never figured out what happened because, again, when you're at the track, sometimes you miss exactly what happened. But I did see her going around the track up in smoke. So from what I gathered in my research, she came in 36. And then I do recall Kevin has some issues. It wasn't I think it was an accident. So he came in 38. Right. And he, he blew a tire. And when his tire blew, it literally it threw him directly into that wall and uh, he was done for the day right after that okay and then kurt bush came in 30th yeah side note what if kurt would have been around when joy and kyle got into it i think kurt would have whooped joy's crew members but for jumping on his brother to be perfectly honest because i met the sweetest lady named darlene who she wasn't born in las vegas but her and her husband who she married at 16 years old they have been in vegas since they were 17 and she came to the race just for the hometown guys kurt and kyle so it's safe to say all of Las Vegas would have jumped on Joey's pit crew if they had an opportunity. You bet, just you a complete bet they would note. have too. Yeah, I don't know. It was crazy. Oh, giving another shout out. I want to shout out the Monster Energy Girls. So me and uh, Muriel Lane, who is one of the Monster Energy Girls, and she's also best friends with Austin Dillon's girl, Whitney, and she dates one of the pit group guys as well. A lot of connections. From the day we met, we're like fast friends. She is the sweetest person ever. And I was able to catch a happy moment of her and Whitney on the track, a uh, pre-race. And of course, it's posted to our Twitter and shout out to Whitney as well for giving us a shout out and a retweet on the photo. Yeah, I saw that picture so, and I immediately punched myself in the face for not being there. 
uh, Renee has a thing for the Monster Girls. Oh. If you recall, oh wait, is it on our website? If it's not, I'm gonna post it. I promise. Renee, he got a little sandwich picture with the girls in Daytona, so yes. he's gonna forever be like, and what a, and what a delicious the Monster Girls. What a delicious sandwich it was. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. So let's revisit stage racing really quick. And I don't know if that was a great transition. It was just on my mind. But one thing, it seems to be working. Not, I don't know. I, I You know, we went through this last week, my feelings. But in this situation, now that the points are mixed up and Kevin Harvick is not in first and Brad Keselowski is who actually won the race, now it seems to be falling in place. What are your thoughts? I think it's working okay. I don't have a problem with it at all so far. Other than the fact that I was trying to, you know, understand it, I think I'm starting to understand it a little bit better. And we're only three races in, but I think I'm getting used to it already. I don't know. You know, it just goes back to what I said before. It's like, you know, usually, you know, when NASCAR changes things, it takes me a while to kind of really understand the rule or whatever it is that they change. And what's so frustrating is just when you think you've understood it, they go and change something else. And then that that's the only frustrating part about NASCAR. Well, I will tell you. My biggest gripe with it is when I watch the race on TV or even when I was at the track watching it in the media room. I hate when they say three to go because they don't ever say three to go in this stage. And I'm like, wait, the race is almost over. Yeah. So that's my only gripe. Do you know what the ratings were for Atlanta? I'm just curious. I don't remember what the ratings were, but are you talking about like ratings for watching the race or attendance or? Yeah, I'm just kind of curious. And the reason why I asked is because the stands were a little bit empty before the race. And I remember this gentleman standing next to me. He was like, wow, I can't believe how empty the race is. And then just like magic, the stands filled up. I don't think it was a sold out crowd, but it seemed to be pretty, it looked pretty full. you know, yeah, it did well look attended. Full. Yeah, I was just curious. I mean, I will tell you one thing. You know, I've read a lot of articles and, you know, as we were preparing for the show and a lot of comments, and it seems as if most people, the consensus was that that fight actually helped NASCAR. Well, I think ticket sales for the next couple of races went up right after that fight happened. I guarantee you that. I think NASCAR needed this. I think they could use this and use it to their advantage. And I know NASCAR probably wouldn't say that, obviously, but I'm just speaking from a different viewpoint. But let's be real, Tam. I mean, that's all anybody was talking about on ESPN when it came to NASCAR. It just, you know, I mean, they're like, yeah, Martin Truex wins, you know, Las Vegas Cobalt 400. But how about that fight? Blah, blah, blah. I mean, let's be honest that nobody wanted to talk about it other than maybe Martin Truex Jr., but, you know, which is totally understandable. But that fight really did wonders for NASCAR. I mean, Renee, of course I agree because it gave old school fans a hope and a glimmer of what NASCAR used to be and what I don't care what anybody says. In my opinion, NASCAR needed it yeah. because as a fan, as a part of the media, one day I hope to work for NASCAR. I don't know. So covering all bases from all sides, I know their position as a company, they can never come out and say, yeah, of course. that they needed it. But they needed it because as NASCAR grows, I feel like the personalities are shrinking. But, and Kyle Busch gave us personality. Yeah, he it, gave us, I don't give a damn who you are. I'm going to punch you. Right. And I don't know that that's the best personality to have. But, you know, all the young guys are married. Like, I don't know but, in what but, world are you married at 21, 22, and you have a kid and a family. 
Like that's the NASCAR way. But you know, one thing I always say, NASCAR needs a hero. It needs a villain. Where is the sexy superstar? Yeah. Where's the guy that the girls are like, oh my God, I want to marry him. Right. Where's the guy that the other guys want to be. Right. And remember, we kind of talked about that. I think it was last week. We just talked about that. When we were talking about Brad Keselowski, and we go, well, can we still call him Bad Brad? Because, you know, since he got married and he has a, has a child now, it's like his personality has kind of changed. He's kind of like gotten away from that that character of maybe possibly possibly being that guy of the villain, you know? And then we, we were asking each other, well, I don't know, does Joey become that guy now? And obviously he answered that question yesterday. So... <laughs> I don't know. I mean, what are your thoughts well, Joey on Well, Joey, he's been pretty much the villain since day one. Yeah, that's true. Even if him and his wife have kids and he changes, he's still going to be the villain. There's something about Joey's personality, and I've said this a million times. Joey is the guy in school that you just want to say, shut up. He's not necessarily doing anything wrong. It's just joey and he has that little smirk smile on his face whether it's real or fake you just want to sock him yeah i think i saw something that says does joey logano have a sockable face or something it's like something I, crazy so i don't funny. know if it, it was a fan or something <laughs> but no i mean you know what i interviewed joey a couple of years ago he's a sweet guy i guess he just you know like steve urkel Will you be my friend? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know how much you did? You didn't necessarily know why Steve Urkel got on your nerves. Okay. I hope you guys even know what I'm talking about. That's that. What was the name of the show he was on? I don't even know the name of it. But um, Steve Urkel was legendary, yeah. iconic TV character. He's like Mark and Mindy. Okay, now I'm dating myself because I'm sure most of you guys do not even remember Mark and Mindy. Some when... of these fans out there are probably going, "What? what is Mark and Mindy? Google it and you'll probably find out how old we are. <laughs> because we are dating ourselves when we say Mark and Mindy. Tell. Well, I will say Nano Nano. <laughs> exactly. Shazbat. Okay, so I guess it's time for our fan comment of the week before we go into some predictions. Mm -hmm. Okay, Renee, so this fan comment is actually taken from NBC Sports. There are a couple of articles, one by Dustin Long and another article by Daniel McFadden, where they are talking about some stuff that went down with Brian France. And I'm just overhyping it. it. It wasn't stuff, but, you know, basically he gave some comments on the Kyle Bush situation. And he also made another interesting comment. So the first thing we learned is that NASCAR is saying that there will be no retaliation by Kyle Bush. So they say, and so they think, hmm, I don't know. Bush may, sh <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Because when you mad, even when you cool off, you just mad. I don't know. He may still retaliate. So getting to the comment, the comment on this particular article is very straight and to the point. Commodore writes, of course, there won't be any retaliation since anything short of Kenseth T-boning Joey is just dismissed as good hard racing. There may be some good hard racing coming up in the weeks ahead, though, dot, dot, dot. So basically what he's saying is, is that in the past, NASCAR dismissed it as 
good hard racing. And I'm sure you guys know when Kenzit T-Bone Joy, you know, or if you want to say T-Bone, but yeah, Kenzit pretty much was getting back at Joy. So what yep. the commenter is saying is that, yeah, so NASCAR thinks there won't be any retaliation, but that Kyle Busch is just going to call it hard racing, but he's going to get Joy back. What do you think? Yeah. And he did say that even at the end of the race, he's like, uh, oh, he's going to get it. <laughs> So one other thing that came out was that Brian France said, quote, I've got thick skin when it comes to criticism of NASCAR. Well, I believe him. I mean, I I think I, now, I don't know Brian France on a personal level, but just being able to be around him at some of the events that we've attended, Tam, he seems like the kind of guy that it would take a lot more uh than just a few criticism comments to, uh, you know, really get underneath his skin and bother him. I, I mean, at least that's the feel that I get from the guy. I, I don't know about you. Well, I'm just going to say this and I'll leave it right here. If I had as much money as Lisa and Brian France has in the bank, as my friends would say, baby, I would have thick yep. skin too. So exactly. I'm going to leave it at that. So let's go into some predictions, predictions, predictions. It's time for Tam and Renee's Race Predictions. Renee, who you got? All right. You know, this is my favorite portion of the show is to do predictions. And we are at Phoenix. So Phoenix, Valley of the Sun. All right. Now, withstanding everything that went on yesterday, I am going to go with your winner in Phoenix. None other than Mr. Punching Man himself, Kyle Busch. Kyle Busch is going to win Phoenix next week. I'm almost guaranteeing a Kyle Busch win. He is angry. He is mad. He's got something to prove. And he's definitely going to take it all out on everybody next weekend. And he is going to win. He may not dominate the race, but he's going to pull it out. My dark horse, I'm just going to go out on a limb here. My dark horse, I'm going to go with Denny Hamlin. And I know we talked about that how quiet it was you know, for him Sunday, but I'm going to go with Denny Hamlin as my dark horse. Interesting. You know, it's so funny because I was actually just looking at Hamlin's name as I was preparing to read off my past 10. And you know the drill. New listeners, each week, I read you the past 10 winners for each race. So without further ado, here we go. And for those who don't know, we have two races each year in Phoenix. Just like next year, we'll start to have two races in Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. So in 2016, for the first cup race in Phoenix, we had Harvick 2016, Harvick 2015, Harvick 2014. We had Carl Edwards 2013. We had Renee's prediction to win the race, Denny Hamlin in 2012. We had Jeff Gordon in 2011, Newman 2010, Mark Martin 2009, Jimmy Johnson 2008. And in 2007, we had Gordon. So there's a November race as well. And our past 10 winners, and this is going from 2007 up till 2016, we had Jimmy Johnson, Jimmy Johnson, Jimmy Johnson, Carl Edwards, Casey King, Harvick, 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 Jr., and Logano. So if you thought that I said the name Harvick a bunch of times, you are correct. Harvick's actually a six-time winner in Phoenix. But what's interesting is that a lot of his wins were back-to-back-to-back. And Jimmy Johnson, no stranger to the winner's circle, is a four-time winner in Phoenix, but 
Jimmy's last win in Phoenix came in November 2009. Ouch, that was a long time ago. Your other guy, Kyle Busch. Well, actually, no, I'm sorry. This is a retract. You said you're going with Kyle Busch to win and Denny Hamlin is your dark horse, correct? That is correct. Okay, so your guy, Kyle Busch, your prediction to win this race, he is actually a 10-time winner in the Xfinity because we all know all Kyle Busch does is win, win, win when he's running Xfinity races. But unfortunately, I guess it's still fortunate because he did win two races in cup at phoenix he's not dominating cup the way he dominates xfinity so that's pretty interesting and his last cup win came in 2005 ouch wow i didn't know it was that long yeah yeah that was a long time ago so i'm going yeah, out on the limb here <laughs> so now because i know you guys want to know who i'm going with I really want to go with Clint Boyer. Hey, you never, Tim. You never. He, it's not like he's he hasn't been racing good. That's a good, that's a great possibility. But it's not a logical possibility. No, well, it's a hope and a dream and a wish. I'm actually gonna go with Kevin Harvick because he needs to redeem himself. And I'm gonna go with. Uh, I'm right there. I want to go with Larson because I'm feeling like he can get a win finally. But I think I'm gonna go with Chase Elliott. Okay, oh, so I didn't tell you who, which one I'm going with the win and which one is my dark horse. So I'm going to go with Chase Elliott to get his first win and Kevin Harvick as Ooh, my dark horse. Very nice. How about that? Okay, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Whoa. NASCAR fans and dudes. <laughs> Our girls and exactly. duets, I don't know. That wraps up another episode of All Turns No Breaks. We appreciate you hanging in there with us and listening to our podcast. We always appreciate your support. And uh, real quickly, Tam, please tell them where to find us because uh, like we give you our predictions, we give you our opinions because this is a NASCAR podcast by fans for fans. We'd like to hear what your predictions are. Let us know who you think is going to win. Give us your dark horse because we'd love to hear from you. And uh, tell them where they can find us, Tam. How you can find us is super simple. Right now, head over to Twitter or Instagram. Our Twitter and Instagram is Turns No Breaks. When you get to Twitter and Instagram, you will see a link in the bio, which is a link to iTunes. Right now, stop what you're doing and hit click and subscribe. We need you to subscribe to the show. That's it. Nothing else. Have a wonderful weekend. Thank you very much. And for Tam, for myself, for All Turns No Breaks, we will see you again next week. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for tuning in with Tam and Renee. 